You're listening to Team Talk, a podcast by the Evangelical Movement of Wales to support church leaders. Welcome to the fifth podcast of Team Talk of the Evangelical Movement of Wales. We're glad you've found us and we hope that today's episode, which is part three on self-care in ministry, will be a help to you practically and a blessing as well. It seems that there are a lot of church leaders, irrespective of what particular office which you hold, for whom the pandemic has been a pretty challenging time. Sudden adaptions, sudden changes, often working with a church where there are different opinions and different ideas on the way ahead. All of this seems to have been ramped up a lot recently with the relaxing of the government restrictions. So that coupled with the fact that it's August and traditionally a time when uh, perhaps people look for a holiday We hope this will be a really good subject for you today, self-care in ministry. Now, if you've not listened to the previous two podcasts in this particular series on self-care in ministry, we really would advise that you do this so that today will probably make a lot more sense if you've listened to those. But just a quick recap, we've effectively looked at three areas of self-care. The first is delegation, and uh, we looked at Exodus 18 and the great advice that Jethro gives his son-in-law, Moses. And we've also seen how there are key doctrines associated with the principle of delegation, not least of which our understanding of the providence and the sovereignty of God. Secondly, we've looked at rest, and we looked at Mark 6, and the example of our Lord's compassion for his own disciples and need himself for rest. And that led us to look at the Sabbath principle. And then the third area was friendship. And we saw from 2 Corinthians 2 and 2 Corinthians 7, the need that Paul had in his own life for good friends in ministry to encourage and to enable him. And we took from that uh, the importance of fellowship. And uh, we touched a little bit as well on the doctrine of the Trinity in that session. Well, today, our plan with my good friend, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hi. Sorry, I should have done that at the beginning. <laughs> it's the problem when you have good friends, isn't it? Uh, but uh, it's good that you're, you're able to join us today. And we do thank you for doing that. And we're grateful to God for your experience in these areas. But Jeff, today, really, we're just going to look at some practical stuff to do mm. with delegation, rest, and friendship. So how about I ask you to start with on the issue of delegation. What advice would you give to someone who knows that delegation is important, but they're in a church setting where perhaps there are few gifted, capable people? What advice would you give to someone like that? How do they delegate when in reality there are very few capable people to delegate to? Yeah, I mean... I would say there's not an easy answer to that one. You know, that's a tough situation. And there are some situations that are hard. But I still would say that doesn't mean you don't delegate. 
it just changes the way that you do it and the extent that you do it. Uh, and I think there's a proverb which says that um, uh, uh, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. And I just think it just needs a lot of thought uh, to do it. So one of the things would be to think through what is it that with the limited resources that I've got that I as a church can realistically expect us all in God's kingdom to be able to do. What can we focus on? Are we going to get a link with the local school? Are we going to do evangelism in the town in the, uh, on Saturdays? Are we going to etc cetera, etc? Cetera? Uh, there's, there's so many things you could do but in your particular context there might be one or two things that actually you could do well and under God's guidance this is where across all of the things that you naturally have to do with the church preaching and teaching and all the other things that you could focus on and if you if you f- decide on that and then it's a question of if you're delegating in that situation then there has to be some degree of training that goes with it um, for the individuals and it has to be something that you feel that you can offer them some support I've been terrible at this and I've often delegated and just dumped people with stuff and then they don't do very well and why don't they do very well it's not their fault I've just said right job done delegated I've delegated that now it's gone and of course very often you you do need some training support to work, somebody to work alongside you to help you that's different from micromanagement because the aim is that it's it's like teaching someone to ride a bike you run alongside them and you're holding the back but the aim is that eventually you'll let go now what i tend to do is just say here's a bike off you go and they crash it down the hill you know nobody's surprised and also that's terrible for them because then they feel useless bad terrible about it whereas if i can run alongside them and i forgot that capacity to do that that's why you have to narrow it down to what you possibly can then that thinking through on what it is and then praying obviously I mean you know pray about the person one of the other things I would say is that in delegating this has to be good for the person it's not just dumping on somebody a job that you don't like or that you you can't get to Um, and even if they might be good at it delegating to them might not be the best thing for them and you're thinking about as a pastor you or an elder or a deacon you might be thinking about what how do they how are they going to grow in the lord so you're you're trusting that this delegation actually is not just helping you it's helping them to grow in the lord and using their gifts i like that jeff it's not just about getting the job done it's actually about the process and the effect on the person mm. as well. I was really encouraged a few years ago. Someone in my church challenged me about delegation and said, uh, you need to empower mm. people more. Yeah, yeah. And that this is where he was suggesting that my delegating or lack of it was breaking down. Um, I found that really helpful. Mm. Mm. But uh, in church, how do you, how do you go about empowering someone making sure that they know they have the authority to do something any thoughts on that jeff because it does seem to be quite important yes uh, the antithesis of that is micromanagement i would say and so i know i said 
they might crash. But in some cases, you've got to allow them not to do it as well as you would have done it. And that's really significant. I, I mean, I know you want the best for the Lord, but if if I've been given a job, I know in some jobs I've been given, I haven't done it as well as the person who gave it to me would have. I had a head teacher once, like, who was excellent at this, and she would allow something not to be quite as good as she would have done it in order to develop the person. And that again, coming back to God's sovereignty, God's sovereign over that, but if at every point you step in and when it doesn't go as well as you'd wanted, instead of encouraging the person or building them up or, or talking about it, you just take it off them or do it yourself or stop trusting them with it, then that's disempowering them. So that level of trust, I think, is really good. What about this, Jeff? You know, sometimes delegation works well for a while, but then people sometimes become a little jaded they lose the freshness and the enthusiasm for whatever they're supposed to be doing. How do you, as a leader, keep people who you've delegated to fresh and enthusiastic? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what people would think about this. I think it's sometimes quite good to give people a, a role for a time. Because if you think you're going to be, I don't know, a Sunday school teacher for the next 60 years you know now you're going to lead Sunday school there's no end to this you know in sight not that that's a bad you know this might be your your thing for the Lord for for 60 years I'm not saying it's wrong but if you said well you know I'd like you to do it for three years and then we'll um, and I'll talk you through it and we'll work together and then we'll we'll discuss what you've learned and whether this is where you're you're going in your in your Christian life and this is how God is blessing you. And sometimes jobs we delegate are endless. And that's that that's where the motivation starts to drift. Um I know as a head teacher I had to refine my motivation every five years. About every five years I lost my mojo. And I'd have to discover again from the Lord why I felt I was called to be a head teacher. And then I, once I'd got that back, then I'd go on. Although at one point I I reevaluated and I didn't go on. I changed because it wasn't clear that that was what the Lord wanted next. It's something else. So I think having that in mind for people is 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 helpful for them to to keep motivated because it's you know I'm going to do this for three years. Let's see what God does, or five years or whatever it is, and or a year. So keeping the vision fresh in people mm. is really important. And uh, I guess with that as well, being in fairly regular communication to that effect. Yeah. And I think when the vision is fresh, you know, in mm. terms of the gospel driving, whatever someone's doing, no matter how small it may appear, that is a great thing, isn't it? I think that that is the thing that really, really keeps people on song. But it needs work, definitely. OK, well, how about we move on now, Jeff, to rest? It's the one where I guess there's so much written about this, so much available. We're bombarded with stuff all the time. But I'm mm. going to ask you, how do you get the best out of a day off? You know, church leaders, you're supposed to have a day off. OK, you've got a day off. And what are you going to do with it? How does an individual go about getting the best out of a day off? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you know, Scripture says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're all different. 
and just to saying for some people to say right have a day off do nothing doing nothing for some people actually isn't a rest doing nothing for some people just sends them into a complete spin down downwards and they just sit there thinking this is rubbish uh, temperamentally I, I think we're made differently and therefore what we do to rest is different so for some people rest will be going and running a half marathon it means going out and getting on a bike and pushing yourself it means building something in the garden it means you know building a brick wall um, I've done this a lot of work with mostly head teachers although some pastors as well and certain temperaments just you know the one one head I know when they need a break they go and power hose the front of the school and they love it and they just and they come back and they feel that's a mini break but for them that's a real rest that they can go back to all the rubbish and the stuff they're having to deal with then because of that and for others it's for some people it's getting everybody in so they want to to you know you need to see somebody and that will give you refreshment for other people it's pull up the drawbridge and i know phil for you I think it's probably pulling up the drawbridge. Is that right? Pulling up the drawbridge, riding my bike. <laughs> yes. Till I pass but out. <laughs> yeah. But it's knowing what it is. For other people, it's putting life in order. You know, I just need some time to put something in order. So sorting out your library in your, or in, in your office or something is actually a means of rest. And I, so the short answer is understand yourself and your temperament and really actually work out what refreshes you and it's going to be different for different people mm. so it's just saying take a break does nothing for anybody i think no. unless you unless you can work out what it is you're going to do in that break and that's why sometimes in church life people can be very well meaning but they can almost prescribe what you should be doing mm. Mm. and uh, same as when you go on holiday you know it's it, it's almost want to push you in a certain direction you're right you've got to find your own what works for you and probably i know from some of the conversations we've had jeff is that mm. we need to experiment mm. a little bit yeah. in discovering what works for us uh, because there may well be whole areas of uh, rest and uh, recuperation which are actually untapped by us because we've just not been we've not looked at them so for example yeah. looking at being creative that may not be something that mm. somebody naturally gravitates towards or has ever done. And yet, you know, going out with a camera, taking photographs or uh, drawing or something like that, having a go, suddenly they can discover that it's actually extremely therapeutic. Yeah, I have had some... One head teacher told me she started writing poetry mm. and she said, I never thought I'd write poetry again. But that's what she did. Another one reholstered a chair from the internet took her a year and it was what she did every evening another one did a massive jigsaw every evening and just put some part of life in order there are so many different examples to understand uh, about what you like so there we are friends have a good think about new ways uh, exploring new ways of uh, filling your day off or maybe not filling it Oh, yeah. uh, be flexible to say there's there's a load more we could say about this jeff on in terms of rest and and maybe we can return to this at a future 
date because I think the issue of burnout, recovery from burnout, things like that, that is such a massive subject, but it, it certainly needs uh, looking at perhaps in a future podcast. But we come to the last one now, which is friendship. How can Deacon Nomates learn to make friends? Maybe life has just got so busy that, quite frankly, the last time they worked at making friends were when they were in the fourth year at school. At least whatever it is, that's the old money version. I'm not sure what that is in, in the new understanding of education, but they've never really had to do that. They, they left school at 16. They've gone into a job where you're just surrounded by people in the, the office or the factory or wherever they are. Uh, church, well, church to church people, you know. But how does Deacon Nomates actually sit down, recognize I actually haven't got very many friends, real friends. How do I go about making friends? Well, I think one of the things here is people are flat out, so they need some time. So if they don't have any evening in the week when they can recover and or any free space in their week, then they're not going to be able to build friendships. And I think it is hard in some places that you live and workplaces. You know, the people at work are not looking for friends. They, they've got their own lives. They don't want you as a friend particularly that they'll work with you they might appreciate you as a colleague but they're not looking not necessarily looking for friends equally in the street that you live depending on different streets obviously but in some areas people aren't looking for friends particularly you know they don't they're not wanting you there on the doorstep all the time so here's an idea uh, for whatever it's worth uh, I would think of something you love doing you genuinely would love doing and then find somebody and do it with them and I don't think it matters what it is I think particularly for blokes it needs to be doing something so it doesn't matter if it's playing five-a-side football badly or it doesn't have to be sporty endless things people do you know for you bike riding go and ride a bike with somebody and you'll ride and you'll become a friend and I've done that with five-a-side football, and I've got some friends now. It took a long time. I, for the first year, I stood around like a lamppost, with nobody really bothering with me. But if you stay there long enough, they suddenly get used to you. So that if you don't turn up, they say, where's Jeff? And, you know, I remember thinking, they said, where were you last week, Jeff? And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> you knew I was there, did you? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So Deacon Nomates has taken on some of your advice and he's, he's got some, some friends, inverted commas, but we know that sometimes friendships can be very superficial. Yeah. So how do we, if we find that we have friends, I have loads of friends who I ride with and used to run with, but how do you break through from the superficial to more meaningful side of friendship? Yeah, I mean, are, are you talking here about somebody as a, as a Christian to a Christian? Are you talking about somebody? Because there's obviously a difference between what you can share and what you need to share uh, and what's good for you to share as a Christian with another Christian. Well, yeah, sure. I, I guess, Jeff, I was thinking more just in general principle. How do we overcome, for example, problems of intimacy and actually start to talk about the stuff that really matters? which for us as Christians is going to, by implication, mean friends who are Christians. Yeah, I, I think the proverb which says, if one gives answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame. And, and that's about listening. And 
I think just asking people questions about themselves. Everybody likes talking about themselves. But genuinely showing an interest in them and asking questions allows a barrier to break down. And then the other thing is being honest yourself and starting to trust people with information about yourself that's on that deeper level. And, you know, trusting them with your failures. So investing time in people as well, building trust. Yeah. Yeah. One last question on this often crops up in, in conversation. Uh, with other church leaders, which is, can a church leader actually have special friends in their church? Oh, um, I think possibly this is more of a challenge for pastors. Yes, I think as a pastor, I would be really careful about that, to be honest. I, I, I've i been in situations where there seemed to have been an in-crowd. You know, Whether there was or there wasn't is another matter, but the perception was that that was the case. And once that starts, I think you know wrath is cruel anger is overwhelming but who can stand before jealousy and if that starts to creep into a church situation it's so i would i would advocate finding someone who is outside of as a pastor out or a, even a deacon an elder outside of that intensity of the church situation who you can trust where there's confidence and it can be confidential where you can be completely honest but they're not connected to the people that you're seeing every day and i think well i've got i've got you say in those in that context which is really helpful for me and i know that, you know if i say something to you it's not going anywhere else and i can say something which it wouldn't necessarily be i'd be able to say in a different context it wouldn't be helpful to anybody but it's just i being able to express it is really helpful some helpful advice there jeff thank you very much well we've come to the end really of today's podcast hopefully you found something here that's helpful in these areas of delegation rest and friendship always remember we'd, we'd love to hear from you if you've got any thoughts of things that we've been talking about and maybe future direction subjects we can look at with the podcast we we would love to hear from you very much but on your behalf a really big thank you to jeff creswell for giving up his time for these last three podcasts on self-care in ministry and i'm sure we'll pick your brains again in the future jeff so thank you for being with us and thank you for listening to us and we hope very much that you've enjoyed the team talk podcast I'm Phil Swan and saying goodbye, may God bless you and keep you until next time.